following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for RadioLawTalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, RadioLawTalk.com. Welcome to Radio Law Talk here on your favorite radio station or online at radiolawtalk.com. I'm Todd Cunin, filling in for Fred Penny and Denise Dirks. I mean, I say filling in. I'm here every week. Those two decided to be, and I'm doing the air quotes here, on assignment. Uh, And they are out, but they'll be back. At least Fred will be back. I think Denise might be gone for a couple weeks with, with other commitments, but Fred will be back next week. And... Cal Hunter, the mainstay of Radio Law Talk. I mean, look, <laughs> some of us can come and go. We are we're the variables, but the constant is the man behind the glass, Calvin Hunter. Translation: I have no life. Welcome to the club, buddy. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and seated to my right is Will Ramey, who is a fill-in. He works with Fred Penny, and he's filling in for Fred seated here, so we have a co-host so that you don't have to listen to me for the duration of the show. Will, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing really good, really enjoying the show today. I've, I've had a lot of fun so far. had some good calls. It's excellent. That's right. We, uh, we had a couple, and you know... I say at this point, go ahead and put the seatbelt on because we're really going to start taking off now. Uh, this is going to be probably, uh, I would say, the second hour here. This hour of Radio Law Talk is going to be a little bit more case intensive and stuff. But we do start off with the familiar, with the ritual that is known as case or no case. Now it's time to play case or no case. All right, case or no case works this way. I try to come up with a scenario that is either true or false and has either a court outcome or not. I present the scenario, and our attorneys try to figure out, A, if it's true, and if so, what the outcome would be. And that is how case or no case is played. By the way, they get points and special prizes, including, uh, I think, a Rolex watch this time. Oh, yes. wait. No, Fred's not here today. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It's not a ro- it's, it's a Rolex watch. It looks a lot like... But made from inferior. Folex. It's just yeah, a a Folex. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Folex. Where'd you get it? Well, yeah, I got yeah. it at the. Uh, There's a guy one, on the street. One of those. It was yeah. at a carnival, and you know, yeah. if I filled the balloon with the squirt gun. Fifteen bucks, man. Fifteen bucks. Frank Benedetti. Frank Benedetti, in December of 2013, was working on an oil rig near El Reno, Oklahoma. Now, steam comes up out of the ground in these oil rigs, you know. And on the steps of the oil oil rig, it formed some ice. So he falls about 37 feet down a stairwell, suffering some severe and permanent injuries from the fall, he claims. His family looked over Oklahoma law and then wondered if they might get compensated for Mr. Benedetti's injuries. They went to the company who offered a token amount and then offered some legal advice. There's no use in your suing, they said. Haven't you read the law? No use. So, did they sue? And if so, what was the result? Todd Cunin, tell me about the case of the Slipping Benedetti. The Slipping Benedetti on an oil rig of sorts. Now, this was not 
sea-based, land-based, obviously. I don't think it was, that, a, it was in Oklahoma. So yes, yeah. yes. Uh, last time I checked geography, there are no Pretty oceans sure, yeah. that Pretty border sure, yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, barring a tsunami. Or yeah. So let me ask you a question sure. here. Um, who did they go to that said, "Didn't you read the law?" The company. They went to the company that he worked for? Yeah, the company for which Mr. Benedetti was working, and they said, Lord, don't you know the law in Oklahoma? There's no sense in suing. Here, take this money and leave us alone. Okay, well, I think that presents an interesting set of facts, and I'm going to say, I'll go out on a limb, I'm going to say this is a case, okay? And I'm going to also say that Mr. Benedetti prevails, But one of the causes of action that causes him to prevail is a theory that was brought up that the company was practicing law without a license because he went to them with a specific legal question, okay, and or – and – if he talked to non-lawyers, I mean, obviously, this is a this is a company. It's not a law firm, not a not a corporation. Um, and they questioned him about the law. They purported to give him legal advice, telling him that the law was not on his side. And they gave him advice based upon their legal advice. They gave him a, a suggested outcome based on their legal advice that he should take the money and leave. And I think that works whether it's uh, whether it was non-lawyers that talked to him. Let's say the corporate counsel talked to him about it, made it sound official. Well, that kind of gets back to an issue that we handled earlier, which is the conflict of interest. Corporate counsel representing the company can't advise the person who may p- potentially sue them. You got a problem if you're an attorney. So I say it's a case, and Mr. Benedetti wins. All right, Mr. Ramey, what say you? Is this a case or no case? I say it's a case. Um, I am going to also say that there was a that he prevailed. Um, slightly different uh, than as opposed to. I mean, I believe it was legal advice, and I think what Todd talked about applies. I think that uh, one of the ways that he's going to prevail is uh, some fraud in the inducement of whether they were correct in in saying, well, hey, haven't you read the law, and whether that was truthful or not. And I think that he's going to be uh, be able to prevail because he may have relied on that, and uh, and that may have been inaccurate. Hmm. And so I, I think that he would he'd be able to. Uh, to prevail under that theory. Two fascinating legal theories on case or no case. You yes. know, it, it occurs to me also, we can, we got a little bit of time. Remember, here. this is in Oklahoma now. Okay. Oh, it's oh. really important that it's in Oklahoma. This is, this is where he gets you. It's, it's in Oklahoma and, you know. As if they don't believe in law. Well, there's in some, they, they believe in oil in Oklahoma. So I'm just, yes. I'm just putting that out there. This is a critical thing. Now Will's going, oh man, he got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's assume though, Let's assume, just for the sake of arguments, that it was a corporate attorney, an attorney that represented the company that advised him. And let's say, for the sake of arguments, that anybody looking at it would be deemed that, like, you held yourself as an attorney, you were representing him. What is the remedy? What is the obligation of the corporate attorney or any attorney that gives advice once they 
realize they have a conflict of interest in that they've given advice to two parties on opposite sides of the case. Do they do they stick with their original client and dump the new one? Do they dump the old client and stick with it? What, what's the remedy there? Do you know? Well, my question is this. When someone comes in to talk to the corporate attorney, does not the corporate attorney represent the corporation at that juncture? Is they he not do. representing them? They do. They do. Will help me out. You've got this puzzle. Well, I, I think that I think the I think a disclaimer, you know, which lawyers love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there would need to be a disclaimer and a, a you know a legal caveat of who you know if if you're the corporate attorney. Hey, I'm representing the company here. I'm not. I I can you know I that is my duty. You know, my duty is to protect and represent the company. I don't have a duty to prosecute your case. Yeah. So. My answer is, and we'll hear the answer to case or no case after this, is if you have given advice to both sides and you find out that you have a conflict of interest, under the ethical rules, you have to withdraw from representation of both. Wow. Both have to get new attorneys. You're forever done with that case. Hmm. So that's what you have to do ethically. We are going to come back and hear what happened on case or no. Did you skunk us? Maybe. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. We have the resolution to Case or No Case coming up. And, of course, a lot more on Radio Law Talk and live streaming on RadioLawTalk.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's no, Penny & Associates Injury you. Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. 
The cost of getting rid of garbage is high, and recycling products is lucrative. If you're a business or know of a business that needs an individual compactor or baler, call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. If you already have an industrial compactor, baler, or shredder and need service, don't forget to call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. Northwest Compacting, your full-service industrial compacting and baling company. Read more about them at northwestcompacting.com. Many women have so many clothes in the closet, but then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. So ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time. And it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable. Things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to lettyandcompany.com. lettyandcompany.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In. Ready to grow with you. I am Cameron Levitt, Chief Operating Officer of Concussion Medical Clinic. California's first concussion medical clinic is now open. As concussions increase each year, there has never been a greater need for concussion specialists. Our physicians at Concussion Medical Clinic are board certified in pediatric neurology and sports medicine and have partnered with universities, hospitals, and rehab clinics to expedite the recovery process. Simply put, we are elevating the standard of care. When you need an expert concussion opinion or concussion care, visit concussionmedicalclinic.com to schedule your appointment. You're listening to RadioLawTalk.com. And now back to your host, Frederick Penny. Frederick Penny or Todd Kunin, either way, I'm Todd Kunin filling in for Fred Penny. Anybody who knows Fred listening in would go, that's not Fred. That's not Fred. Who is that? But so... When we went to break, we were uh, we had given our answers. We talked a little bit about ethics of attorneys, but we don't know, Cal. What's the answer to our case or no case? Oh yeah, can case you give us a case. recap of what's going on? Sure. A guy falls down an oil rig in Oklahoma, injures himself, goes to the company and says, "What are you going to do about it?" And they said, "Well, we'll give you a token amount, but we don't have to give you anything. Haven't you read Oklahoma law? You would be best to simply leave with the token amount that we're giving you. Have a nice day." And so they had to figure out, should I get another lawyer here? Does the law in Oklahoma allow me to sue if a person is injured working on the state's pet industry, which is oil? Oh, no. Which is the core question, is the, it not? Yes, and you, 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 pitch it, you pitch it like that. And I'm thinking, you know, here I come in. I don't even know what our scores are with where, where I trail Denise and uh, well, and actually, Fred. you and Denise are tied. And okay. Right now, you've you you know after neither of you got points last time. So, but you and Denise each have eight points. Mr. Penny has twelve at this juncture. So here I have a prime opportunity today to gain points, and I am, you know, just useless as a. Well, yeah. useless. Yeah. Useless. See, and then strategically, Cal, yes. if I just answer the same as Todd, Fred's going to come out better. 
no, no matter what. He, 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 will, he will maintain. Oh, my God. I, will I maintain can't the believe this. <laughs> But I did go first you know, on the first on the first on the first one. You know, he just gamed you. Fred's Fred's strategical reach knows no bounds. Absolutely none. That's so true. so here he gets here he gets his plant to come in, and you're doing a great job, by the way. But to come in and and now can make sure that I can't gain points on him. For at least one of them, oh, Fred. But well, I t- but I t- I'll go first next next hour. Okay, All right. I'll go we first. Back and forth. Now let's uh, let's go back and ask the obvious questions, if we may. For those please. of you who said it was a case, may I see by both of your hands, please? All right. So yes, I get one point. They did go oh. and they they did not listen to the attorney for. Uh, Simerex Energy Company and Cactus Drilling Company. They did sue them for $75,000 in negligence uh, because they said the icy conditions by spraying steam on the pipes below made it uh, dangerous, and they had a fail to warn. They didn't put a sign up that said, hey, there are icy steps here. Watch where, where you're going. They didn't do that. But remember that in Oklahoma, there was a law that excludes oil companies, oil drilling companies, from this kind of a lawsuit. So the the couple said, well, that doesn't seem right. First court ruled against them. Court of Appeals ruled against them. And they went to the state Supreme Court, and they sent it back to the lower courts, but with this caveat. They declared unconstitutional the portion of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Workers' Comp Law that exempted oil and natural gas well operators and owners because they said it was an unconstitutional special law and it shall be severed in the remainder, they said. So, plaintiff prevail, or may prevail, we don't know, I'm going to presume prevail, and the law that would have blocked them from prevailing was removed from the books by the Oklahoma Supreme Court. They really do believe in oil out there. They do. They yeah. do. Yeah, they specifically had a law that said you work on a natural gas rig, oh well. Oh, wait, no, that's oil well. Oil well. So, so, <laughs> so the, real, the, real, the, the key question is, how many points did I get? Two each. Two each. I'm, All right. I'm going to presume the, the plaintiff prevails I, I, you know, because it got kicked back to the courts with the law that would have blocked it being taken off the books. So, I, I, yeah. I guess moving forward for case or no case that we actually have come up with possibly another category of answer that would suffice in this, which is defendant wins. That's one category. Plaintiff wins is the other. And then two additional ones based upon this is plaintiff doesn't win or defendant doesn't win because that doesn't necessarily mean that the other side did. In this case, it would be a defendant doesn't win. Right. Because they're not done with it yet. So. But here's what's going to happen. Next time, next time we get together for Radio Law Talk, yes. I'm going to take you to a case that started in Florida, went through Colorado, and ended in Nebraska. That's next time on Case or No Case, which is now concluded. That is uh, that is. That's quite the history of, uh... anyway, that's quite the journey for a lawsuit. Well, all right, let's do this. I want to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court. They have been pretty busy this week, and we're going to get started on a case, kind of lay it out for you factually, and then we'll pick it up more. This week, the Supreme Court 
U.S. Supreme Court handed down some decisions, made some decisions that they're not going to take some cases. And the first one we're going to talk about is a murder conviction that was overturned, but remanded for a yet another trial. This is an individual named Curtis Flowers. Now, I believe, if I remember correctly, he has been tried six times for murder, for a murder that allegedly occurred in the mid-90s. And up until this time, the previous five times, uh, the convictions, there were twice there were hung juries, so they redid those. But every time the prosecution got a conviction, it went up and made it to the Supreme Court on appeal. And every time the court found prosecutorial misconduct in the selection of the jury primarily, that the that peremptory challenges were made discriminatorily based upon the potential juror's race, and it was remanded back for yet another trial. And that's what's happened here. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about what peremptory challenges mean, what happened here, and who on the Supreme Court dissented and did not agree, thinking that the conviction should have stood. Don't go away. We'll be covering that when we come back on Radio Law Talk on your favorite radio station. Thank you for turning on Radio Law Talk on radiolawtalk.com via podcast or live and also on the radio. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. Many women have so many clothes in the closet, but then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. Ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time, and it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable, things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to lettyandcompany.com. LettyandCompany.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. 
That's 800-263-2610. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376. 800-918-1376. That's 800-918-1376. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more, call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work, there's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public. Time to get back to Radio Law Talk on RadioLawTalk.com and on your favorite radio station. All right. So when we went into the break, we were talking about this case that was uh, recently decided by the U.S. Supreme Court where Curtis Flowers has been tried six times for the same murder in Mississippi. And in the previous five times, before the sixth case was decided by the Supreme Court, um, every time he was convicted, there were a couple of times the jury was hung and they didn't reach a verdict one way or another. That leads to a mistrial and the prosecution can opt to retry the case. But every time the the prosecution achieved a conviction, it was appealed 
And ultimately, the conviction was overturned on grounds of prosecutorial misconduct, most of the time dealing with um, discrimination in the selection of jurors. Mr. Flowers is African-American. And statistically, when you look at the numbers, it appears it appears from the record that every time uh, an African-American juror came to the jury box to be a potential juror, that ultimately they, the prosecution exercised a peremptory challenge and had that juror bounce from the case. And even though the prosecution gave neutral reasons for why they dismissed that juror, it was felt by previous courts of appeal and Supreme Courts that the primary, uh, the primary motivating factor was race. So that's what happened here. And in this case, they said the decision, the uh, decision being written by Justice Kavanaugh found that they believed that these were race-based peremptory challenges and kicked it back to the trial court for yet another trial, possibly the prosecutor hasn't decided. Now, at this point, first, I want to talk about the difference between peremptory challenges and challenges for cause. So everybody who's sat on a jury knows you get up there, the attorneys get to ask questions, and at some point in time, after all the questioning is done, the judge looks at the attorneys, and the first thing they say is, do you have any challenges for cause? What are challenges for cause? What do you think those are? Well, challenges for cause... That's where somebody comes out and says, you know, I really can't leave. I really can't leave something behind. I can't come at this as an impartial member of the community. You know, there's 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 something that's holding me up. I really am going to be I'm going to be too biased, which is which is actually kind of a bold thing to say in a room full of people. There's other jurors there. The judge is there. The bailiff is there. I mean, you got to be kind of bold to say that but uh that's that's a challenge for cause this person based on what they've answered the questions they cannot come to the come to this uh trial and and be the jury juror yeah and it's objective you know for for myriad reasons usually the uh most of the time in the trials that i've done the prosecution the defense agree yeah that's a challenge for cause somebody comes in says that you know i think all cops lie and i don't want to do this yet you're not going to sit on a jury that you're 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 coming in with a preconceived notion you're already biased in the case. And so those would be challenges for cause and, and other things. Um, I, I was a victim of the same crime, anything like that. And those challenges for cause are unlimited. There's no limit on challenges for cause. After the court hears challenges for cause, as to the jury pool as it appears right at that time, if there are still jurors and that can be bounced and you haven't you have an excess or whatever, you can then exercise what are called peremptory challenges. Now, those are challenges that each side get. It's a limited number. I think now in California, it's in a felony case, it's lim- you're limited to 20. It used to be 10. And and that is, you know, that this is what the jury consults are Wait a second. Wait a second. In a criminal case in California, you can bounce 20 jurors? In a felony. Oh, in a, what? In a felony. You know how many, how many we get in civil? How many? Five. <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah, these are well, we're talking about liberty here, right? So I'm uh, talking about money. Yeah, yeah, liberty, money, whatever. <laughs> you know, hey, listen, listen. In, in the in the what is it? The Declaration of Independence. The hierarchical order of needs is life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Money is the pursuit of happiness. It comes after life and liberty. 
Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking Show by it. Show me the money. <laughs> so, uh, so, but the jury consultants that come in and they say, we did all this research and this person looks this way and they're wearing a necktie that's slightly to the side and they tie it this way and he looks like he's wearing bad shoes and he does all this. Those are all, you know. They whisper in the in the attorney's ear, you got these peremptory challenges. Okay, I'm going to bounce them. You don't have to give a reason why. All you have to do is say, I'd like to, th- I'd like to uh, thank and ask the court to excuse juror number five. And you got your reasons down. But the problem here is that if, as you start what we call bouncing jurors, a pattern starts to develop where it makes it look like your reasons, even though you don't have to say anything, it just looks like your reasons for getting rid of people from the jury have to do with their membership in a protected class. Most of the time, it's race, but race, gender, things like that. Then the defense can file what's called a Batson motion, which is basically arguing that you are exercising discrimination in the selection of the jury. Cal? Are these preemptions or the that when you kick the juror out of the box, are those reasons ever public record? They must go into the trial transcript somewhere. Is it something later on that someone can come and look in and see the attorney's notes as to why they kicked the person off? I'm going to generally answer your question, yes. But it's yes if anybody is ever challenged. So in this case here, let's say that in, in this most recent trial with Flowers, the one that just went up to the Supreme Court, Um, the reasons for kicking the jurors would never have been entered into a public record or anything if the defense had not filed the motion and made the objection. Once they file the motion and make the objection, and if they can show a prima facie case that it, it makes it, look, this looks like clear discrimination, then the burden shifts to the prosecution, in this case, to put forth reasons why the Bouncing of the jurors had nothing to do with discrimination, had nothing to do with the race, but had everything to do with legitimate reasons for exercising those. And that's why it's a good practice for attorneys. I mean, oftentimes attorneys are doing trials, and they know they don't have to turn that in. They get lazy. Okay, they just want to get rid of this person, this person, this person. They don't keep notes. And then if they're challenged on it, they got to go back and, well, why did I get rid of that person? It makes it a little bit more difficult. But in this case, you know, the court believed that the exercise of the challenges against the jurors was because of their race. Now, and and they reverse that. Now, a couple of interesting things about the decision. All right. First of all, the two most recent President Trump appointees, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, were on opposite sides in this one. Kavanaugh uh, agreed and wrote the opinion that that the uh, conviction should be turned over, overturned. And Gorsuch did not agree with that. So that to some extent, kind of flies in the face of the notion that any justice appointed by a political, uh, by the president, is always going to follow and agree with other appointees of the same. That somehow there's a political agenda, yeah. right, and, right? And clearly that's not the case. And, and quite frankly, recently, the media has made a lot of, uh, pointed this out. Gorsuch and Kavanaugh have been on opposite ends in a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about another one here in just a second. They've been on the opposite ends of the spectrum in a lot of cases. Well, um, 
have you ever disqualified a juror? What's the strangest reason other than the, I mean, I realize people can't make it or whatever. But what, what's the strangest reason? You've, I mean, some, a reason that sticks in your head as to why you've disqualified somebody Well, or uh, asked that they be disqualified. So when I started with the district attorney's office, I was given an acronym and uh, basically told by the district attorney, here's some people that for peremptory challenges that you should strongly consider um, taking off of a jury. And none of them are for discriminatory reasons based upon a protected class. And they are nurses, architects, uh, teachers, accountants. And the reason for that, it was explained to me, the reason for that is uh, people in the medical field, nurses, are in the business of helping people. They will be sympathetic to a defendant. They will immediately say, oh, we should help this person do this, do this, and and had a little bit more trouble with that. Accountants and um, anybody with a technical degree, generally not good for the prosecution, better for the defense, because the belief is, I'm not saying this is right, but the belief as explained is a little bit of difficulty with the concept of reasonable doubt. Accountants, the books have to square. Everybody's got things got to be right. Reasonable doubt is a little bit more like that. And uh, teachers are always looking to help out those people. You also want to Pay attention to folks that might have physical characteristics for which they may have been teased and abused and bullied their whole life because they'll identify with the defendant more as a victim. But that was what was given to me as reasons to um, bounce jurors. We're coming up on our third quarter of the hour break. I said that articulately, didn't I? Uh, We'll be back. We'll finish up with this, talk about more stuff. I want to hear from you about reasons that uh, folks might have been exercised in peremptory challenges. Your experience, don't go away. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. Thanks for turning on Radio Law Talk on radiolawtalk.com and on the radio. We'll be right back. advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. 
ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. The cost of getting rid of garbage is high, and recycling products is lucrative. If you're a business or know of a business that needs an individual compactor or baler, call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. If you already have an industrial compactor, baler, or shredder and need service, don't forget to call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. Northwest Compacting, your full-service industrial compacting and bailing company. Read more about them at northwestcompacting.com. I'm going to quick quack car wash. Get my car washed, make it quick quack, pretty shiny, sexy, just because I want to don't drive dirty. Going to get my car suds at the quick quack car wash. It's the quick quack, quickest and the cleanest by far. We're talking three skinny minutes sitting right in your car wash. A hundred feet of cloth washing your car at the quick quack car wash. Any Honda, Mazda, Ford, or Chevy, Sauber, Cadillac, quick quack. Don't screw her up just like that. You'll be happy looking snappy. You'll be glad you was asked the quick quack car wash. Get on the web and go to don'tdrivedirty.com and see where you got your closest quick quack in the local area. Get in your car, get in your truck, get on the road, come visit the dock. Quick Quack Car Wash, where your car will always leave happy, guaranteed. They take pride in being clean and green by conserving and recycling the water they use only at the Quick Quack Car Wash. Peekaboo, peekaboo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. I like the Amargosa Valley. Go to the website, radiolawtalk.com. You can listen to the show there, and there's a lot of other good information, too. That's radiolawtalk.com. All right, we're back. We're talking about, right now, a Supreme Court case, U.S. Supreme Court case, where the uh, a murder conviction, a quadruple homicide murder conviction, was overturned on appeal for the sixth time uh, due to prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, well... It, it was overturned, and it looks like it might. After the sixth time it was tried, a couple of those were hung juries, but in the ones where there were convictions and they went forward on appeal, the appellate courts and the U.S. Supreme Court found prosecutorial misconduct. And we're talking really quickly. Cal raised the question, just in our own personal practice, uh, what's the strangest reason we have, or what are reasons that we have as attorneys for maybe? Um, dismissing jurors pursuant to the peremptory challenge. And, Will, I was going to turn that over to you. What, well, what in your experience, have you uh, had? I'm not, not asking you to divulge your secrets now. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody <laughs> listening going, oh, we got that. I know how to beat Ramey in trial. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, you know, one of the things that, that's, um, uh, that's kind of surprising, some people may find, is 
when we're when we're representing injured people and they've had a similar or a catastrophic injury scenario in their life that's usually can be difficult for us because then they may compare the outcome that we're seeking in our case with their individual outcome and so that'll make it problematic for them uh, to maybe fairly assess what I'm seeking for my client or what or even what the law is going to provide uh, for my client, what they're required to do, because they'll be thinking, well, I, I didn't get that. Um, one that's similar that we that we do um, look for are people, family members uh, of those who are injured, because they're usually like you were talking, Todd, about nurses and teachers wanting to help. They're usually thinking, okay, I know I've seen and witnessed this type of pain and suffering, somebody in my family, somebody that's close to me, and I believe that they should be compensated so they can get on board with, uh, you know, what the law says about people being compensated. One of the duties that the court will advise a jury is that you are only to consider evidence. In essence, I, it's, a, it's a really long list, but the only evidence you can consider when rendering a verdict in this case is evidence that comes from somebody sitting in that chair testifying or documentary or evidence exhibits or anything, anything that the court has admitted and has been given an exhibit number, and that's it. You, you can't you can't rely on outside stuff in rendering your verdict. And, and the danger here is that when when you know Johnny is sitting on the jury and he's looking at all of this evidence here and then starts to remember how much his mom suffered when she was, you know, knocked over by a dog, you know, and 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 all of that. And and he starts to hey, that really was bad. Well, that is not something that was presented. That is not something that anybody else had, but you're relying on your own experiences here and it's outside the scope of the evidence that was presented. Cal. So the ideal juror is who is what? Uh, I mean, obviously You've got to have somebody who can think. You've got to have somebody whom you can convince. But when you're looking for a juror, what are you looking for? I look for somebody that I feel can tell me. Well, first of all, I guess I approach it from this standpoint. Everybody is the ideal juror unless they give me a reason to doubt that. Okay? So that's kind of the way I approached it when I was a prosecutor. And and kind of from the defense standpoint as well. I'll, I'll give them a clean slate. I don't want to go in with any preconceived notions because you could be wrong about people. Somebody could be a great juror for you, right? And and if you, you know, get your knickers in a twist because they're wearing the wrong kind of shoes, you're, you're problematic. But somebody who can think independently, who isn't going to be swayed by the group, and who basically commits to doing this, I will listen to the facts and apply the law. That's what I will do. And, and that is a common question that I asked when I was a prosecutor. I was a little leery, for example, of, of folks with advanced degrees coming in. And at first blush, you say, oh, yeah, you don't want smart people on the jury. I got no problem with that. I'd have no problem with a lawyer sitting on a jury. Honestly, I don't. Um, except for the fact that if you take somebody with an advanced degree and then you have others of the 12 people on the jury, let's say somebody who's got a GED, somebody didn't even graduate high school, has a high school diploma, and, and maybe they're self-conscious, and they look at this person and think, well, he's smart. Well, now I don't want other people seeding their independence. independence and ability to look at things just because the guy with the PhD says, oh, he's guilty or he's not guilty. 
I want people to act independently. I try to see a jury that affords everybody the opportunity to act independently and, and not create factions and do stuff. That's what I'm looking for. Will, is that possible? Uh, I mean, that's where you, you talk about the ideal juror, and there's just so much going into it. And they, and they are, in, I mean, their juries are, I want to say, I don't want to say well-instructed, but they are certain, uh, they may even be overly instructed, meaning there's, you know, usually, you know, many, many pages of instructions that the jury will receive from the court about what the law is and about what they're to do and the evidence that they're to consider. Uh, but I think you're always have you're looking for leaders on on the on a jury, a potential leader, and that's what Todd I think is addressing in somebody who's got an, a lot of respect in the community, like a doctor, uh, you know. And if it's a case where there's any type of medical issue, well, I mean, is that doctor going to be able to independently and fairly assess the evidence? I, absolutely. But then the question is, are you going to lose some, you know what I mean? Are you going to lose three or four jurors who are just going to say, you know what? The doctor thinks this. Yeah. I, and, I, and I'm going to rely on that. I'm going to go with that. So if that if you have as as the lawyer with your preemptory challenges, if you have reasons to think that, you know, maybe this doctor is not going to be maybe he's not the person that's going to uh, understand what I'm trying to explain with my client. Or maybe maybe there's some bias there that I I believe you know what I mean I believe he's going to exercise because of questions he's answered. I'm going to get rid of him because he's going to. Not only am I going to lose one juror, uh, I'm, I might lose four. I might lose five. Sure, sure. Be, because of that one. Of course, it's different for me than it is for Todd because everything's unanimous in a criminal. Uh, That's right. In a criminal court, he's got to get 12 out of 12. Um, I you know speaking from what I do and where I do it, I'm really at. Nine out of 12. So yeah. I, I can lose a few. I, I can lose a few and still win a trial. But are you looking for emotional jurors who can be swayed by the emotion of the moment? Is that important in some cases? I know that based on some of the verdicts that we hear, many times I think these people were led around by their heart rather than by what the law may have been. I, I think I think either side would have to be careful about the emotion because there's an appeal there's an appeal of the of the person who's bringing the case or the or in Todd's Todd's thing the defendant some of those people are going to be very powerful and convincing themselves you know some of my clients are going to do very very well on the stand but i have clients who are just as injured that may not come off quite as good on the stand and so I don't want that emotional juror saying, you know what, this that person didn't cry when they were on the yeah. stand, when they were talking about seeing their kid get hurt. I, I can't – that emotional juror is going to be detrimental to my client. There are a lot of different uh, takes on what kind of juror you're looking for in the case. I think that one constant, though, is the belief that in most cases – a significant portion of the case is won or lost in jury selection based upon how the attorney doing jury selection conducts themselves. And it's very important. I've seen cases. I saw a case at the DA's office where it was a uh, it was a assault by vehicle case. A woman with her two kids in the car was upset at her ex-husband when they were supposed to drop off the kids. And actually rammed his car. Okay, now nobody was hurt, but rammed the car, and and really nobody disputed those facts. The DA on the case 
wasn't me, but the DA on the case got up and in jury selection somehow, for some reason, analogized his own spouse to a St. Bernard, spouse who was pregnant eight months. And I watched every (laughs) juror look at him and go, you are an idiot. It was not a hung jury. It was a full-on acquittal for the defense. That's what can happen in jury selection. So that's going to have to do it for us. We've got another hour in the books here. You want to listen to any of the podcasts or other hours of Radio Law Talk, go to radiolawtalk.com. Check out our podcasts. Stick with us, folks. We'll see you next time here on Radio Law Talk. Remember, Radio Law Talk is live 9 to noon Pacific time, so you can hear us live on our webcast at that time. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated.